trusted voice of truth and light. God gave me a gift. I shovel well. I shovel very well. And a rally point for those who've accepted the reality that they are not sheep. We've got a blind date with destiny. And it looks like she's ordered the lobster. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Well, hello there and welcome to the show. I'm glad you could join us today. Our sponsors include MonticelloCollege.org, LifesavingFoods.com, and the Heather Turner team at Patriot Home Mortgage. I am also pleased to welcome my friend Eric Peters to the show. Eric from EricPetersAutos.com. How are you doing today, Eric? Well, I'm good, Brian. I'm hoping that I'm not going to get kulaked anytime in the near future. Oh, I, you know, I read your recent article on uh, on the health kulaks, and for the sake of people who aren't familiar with that term, kulak with a K, what does that refer mm-hmm. to? Yeah, it refers to uh, what were small landowning farmers in the early years of the Soviet Union under Lenin and Stalin, who were forcibly collectivized, put onto collective farms, driven off of their farms, and who were characterized as horrible, evil people for wanting to remain on their farms to be self-sufficient, to provide their own food. They were turned into a pariah class, and ultimately uh, they were defrocked of every right that they formerly had. And if that sounds familiar, it ought to, and that was the theme of my piece. People are being turned into kulaks today on the basis of health, being portrayed as bad people who are a danger to the rest of society, and that's essentially what the piece gets into. Man, stuff is happening so quickly these days. You know, I think I'm paying attention, and then I turn around and I feel like I'm, I'm being overtaken by a giant mm-hmm. wave or something of, yeah. of the, you know, the latest attempts to control and, and to force compliance. We're trying to swim in a tsunami. And uh, one of the other aspects of the piece and the Kulak thing um, that, uh, that is interesting is the way the public was manipulated by the government into believing that what was, what was being done to those poor people was righteous and good. And as the, the great Russian writer Alexander Zolzhenitsyn pointed out, that when you can convince people to do evil things in the name of good, they tend to be zealous and enthusiastic about committing these horrible acts. Most ordinary people are not uh, fanged and dripping with blood and looking to hurt people overtly. They think they're protecting people. They think they're doing the right things because that's what they've been conditioned to do. That was the case in Soviet Russia under Lenin and Stalin, and it was the case in Germany under Hitler. Uh, You know, people thought that the Jews are a menace. They're a threat. They're a biological threat to Germany and to the German Volk, and we must do something about these horrible people who are a threat to all of us. History echoes. Unfortunately, we're not listening to the echoes of history now. No, and, and you know, I, I'm seeing this happen particularly on the employment front, you know, where, hey, you don't get, you don't get the vaccine, you don't work. Uh, you don't mm-hmm. travel, you know, if you don't have the vaccine. Uh, you know, we saw this coming. People sounded the warnings. I know you've sounded the warnings. I've yep. sounded the warnings. And yet, here it comes. It's just marching on us like sure. uh, like an unrelenting army. There's an, uh, an evil aspect of inevitability to this, because once you start to marginalize people, once you start to characterize them as a sort of subhuman caste that it's okay to treat badly, to prevent from working, to kick out of stores, that just tends to ramp up. It doesn't stop, because how do you stop it if these people really are bad people? Uh, and they're a danger. It's not enough, is it, to simply say, well, you can't come in the store. Well, you can't work here anymore. The anger kicks up. It gets worse and worse. 
And ultimately, inevitably, this kind of thing does lead to rounding people up and putting them in camps, and even worse things than that. And that is precisely why this is such an alarming and, and, and terrifying thing. Yeah, it's and and just this last week, I'm sure you saw the Department of Homeland Security's, you know, terrorism watch or terror, you know, their terror yeah. threat matrix. What a surprise! It includes people who won't get with the game. Yeah, people who object to or even just question and criticize uh, the rationale behind everybody putting on a mask and submitting to the jab. And by the way, there's another inversion here that I think is kind of interesting. People such as yourself and myself who uh, question the need to take this vaccine because we don't want to assume the risk, and and that includes the unknown long-term risks of this vaccine. We're described and characterized as being selfish people. Oh, yeah. Because we don't want to assume the risk. Meanwhile, the people who are insisting that we do assume this risk, somehow they're not selfish for insisting that we assume this risk. Look, if, if, they're, if they could, could do what they want to do without introducing the coercion and force, I may still disagree, but I, I wouldn't be protesting nearly as, as loudly as I am right now. It's the coercion. Well, yeah. The coercion and the hard sell. Yeah, I'm not opposed to medicine. I'm not an imbecile. I think medicine sometimes can be very life-saving, literally. And, and if that's the case, then it shouldn't be necessary to force it and hard sell it the way that it's being done. I think that ought to raise red flags in any reasonable person's minds. Why are they pushing this? Why are they pushing it so hard, particularly uh, in certain categories? For example, uh, children, people, uh, young adults, those under 25, I think the number is one in a million that's the odd of uh, odds of somebody who is in that age group potentially dying from the Rona. It's crazy, particularly given that even if they do get sick, there are effective and safe treatments for it, as opposed to the unknown risk of taking this vaccine. It's not rational. You know, I can see somebody who is at risk, somebody who is elderly, somebody who has a chronic underlying problem. For them, it might make rational sense for them to take this particular medicine. Great. It should right. be on the table. I don't have any problem with that. But this business of just forcing and pressuring and browbeating and uh, degrading and humiliating people who object and who question is insane. Yeah, what what started out as just a line in the sand for me saying no um, got pushed so hard by big government, by big media, mm-hmm. uh, big tech. Now there is a trench where once there was just a little line in the sand because yeah. I, I don't want to be forced. Yeah, once upon a time I wrote an article, I tried to draw an analogy between these vaccines and the way that they're being pushed and uh, car sales. And I, you know, I, t- I asked people, would you, would you buy a car with an unproved drivetrain that was different than any other drivetrain that had ever been put out on the market before and had uh, no known track record for reliability and which had been found actually to not be reliable in a number of cases and had resulted in people being killed in accidents, but you couldn't sue the manufacturer and the car didn't come with a warranty. Would you buy that car? Not and a of chance. course the answer is no. I mean, almost nobody would buy a car under those conditions. And yet, we're being told that we just must roll up our sleeves and allow ourselves to be injected with essentially what amounts to the same thing, a vaccine that has no disclosure form on it, uh, where your consent is taken away, where you're compelled and forced and pressured to take this thing that has definite known risks, without question, um, and unknown long-term risks for potentially very little benefit for the majority of healthy people. It's, it, is, it is pathological. It is evil, in my opinion. Well, and something you pointed out in your article is it's, it's not just the people who are, you know, um, 
wearing the lab coat or wearing the uniform of a police officer or a three-piece business suit or whatever, you know, of a politician, the people who will be out there making it happen when the time comes to identify and, you know, segregate the rest of these uh, unclean from society, it's going to be our neighbors. It's going to be our family members. And, And what's sad is it appears to be working. Yeah, and they have been conditioning the public for at least 20 years to do this. It dates back to the the uh, the war on terror that began after the 9/11 attacks, where they would do they would announce these programs of if you see something, say something. You know, yeah. everybody's suspicious. Everybody's supposed to uh, call anonymously and squeal on their neighbors and use the authority of the state to uh, to get their neighbor to do whatever the the people think that they ought to be doing. And it, it again, it echoes history. It's the sort of thing where, in you know, in, in, in the old Soviet Union or in, in Germany during the 30s, you had to be very circumspect about what you said, about what other people thought about you, because people lived in perpetual dread that their neighbor was going to drop the proverbial dime on them for wrong think, that they were going to get uh, a visit from goons from the government because their neighbor had, had, had called up to say, oh, I'm worried about old Jones over there. He said X, Y, and Z. Yeah, I... I never aspired, you know, to to live through anything like, you know, what Anne Frank and her family mm-hmm. lived through. I see that kind of a scenario shaping up if this fear and and the the panic driven behavior that it's driving, um, you know, doesn't abate. And yet, I I don't know what it would take to abate it at this point. Well, there is some good news. I, I filed one of my. Uh, sporadic diaper reports, as I as I style them, on the site the other day, and, and these are just sort of anecdotal on the ground uh, uh, looks at look look looks looking at what's going on in my neck of the woods, and despite the fear organ having really kicked up over the last several weeks with talk of the Delta Epsilon endless Omega variants, whatever they are, uh, most people are not putting on the horrible face rag again in even places where it was almost 100% compliance, even after the mandates had been rescinded by our Gesundheitsführer governor, only about 20% of the people that I can tell are wearing the things, and everybody else is behaving normally. So I think it's not working as effectively this time. I think a lot of people have had it and are sick of it, and, and that there is a, a swell in the other direction. It's not yet apparent because we all hear what the TV says and what the radio says, and these organs are all pitching this bad news to us, but I think there's a lot of good news out there. Okay, let's talk about some of that good news just the other side of our break. Eric Peters is my guest from epautos.com, and we'll be back just the other side of these messages. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. All right, welcome back to the show. I am talking with Eric Peters from epautos.com. This is kind of like my weekly reality supplement, Eric, so I really appreciate you uh, shining some light on your thoughts on the passing scene. Let's talk about some of the positive news. I feel like we've covered the bad news pretty thoroughly. Tell me some good news. Well, good news is that I do think people are... um, becoming somewhat immune to the hysteria and the fear that's being promulgated on the boy who cried wolf model. Uh, Fauci uh, and all the other disciples of the sickness cult have been screeching about the Delta variant, the Epsilon variant, who knows what the next variant is. But people, and my 
perception of it are not putting on the the holy face rag again like they did a year ago at this time and it was understandable back then because people were scared they didn't really know what was going on and they were being told all sorts of horrible things by the press about what would happen if they didn't mask up but i think now people are beginning to realize they've been conned that, that to a great extent this has been wildly exaggerated for political purposes uh... you know they look around them they know that they're they're not dying their friends aren't dying Yes, some people are getting sick, but there's a difference between getting sick and getting dead. And uh, I think, I'm hoping, I have my fingers crossed, that people are not going to fall for it as much this time. And I'm also hoping that there is going to be enough resentment of this regime of uh, requiring people to be injected and to present proof of their papers in order to eat, in order to buy food. There's a lot of pushback going on in Europe. It's not being wildly, uh, generally reported, but in France... There is serious, hundreds of thousands of people, serious uh, resistance to all of this. They are opening freedom cafes. Uh, restaurants are refusing to check people's vaccine status. It's really, it's a heartening thing. That is good news. I'm, I'm happy to hear it. I mean, I've, I've yeah. reached the point now where um, I am less concerned with, with trying to refute the ones who are out there touting the, the party line. And I'm more yeah. concerned with trying to give encouragement and reassurance to those few holdouts that remain that uh, first of all you're not alone and secondly i have your back and and that's i'm i'm doing yep. everything in my power right now to try to build tiny networks because that's all we have to work with of like-minded people who can support one another and and you know stand up for one another you know when the mob you know turns its fury on somebody yes and you raise a very important point there is no longer i think any per- point or purpose in trying to refute any of this insanity at this point. The people who want to wear the face diapers and who embrace the vaccines, those people have been pathologized. They have become, as I put it, weaponized hypochondriacs. There is no reasoning with these people. The fear has got hold of them, and reason and and rationality cannot penetrate fear. So simply our job at this point is to retain our sanity and to not give in to their fear and to, as you say, form our own networks of people who have not given in to it and that is our power. We don't have to fight these people. We just simply have to say no to these people and refuse to give in to it, even under tremendous pressure, which, as you and I talked about a little bit, a lot of people are under right now, both in terms of their family relationships, their friendships, uh, their work relationships, and so on. But ultimately, uh, we, ha- we have to stand strong because if we give in to it for the sake of a little convenience, for the sake of family amity so that everybody gets along, that's just going to scab over something that's far worse underneath, and it's going to lead to something that's far worse in the long term. Here, here, Yeah, something uh, that I watched, I guess it was last week, I shared this with my listeners, but um, I don't know if you've seen the video. I'll find the, if, if not, I'll find the link and send it to you. But it's, mm-hmm. it's about a 20-minute long video, and I think it's from the Academy of Ideas, and it's how psychosis spreads in yes, a population. Yeah, I saw that. It's outstanding. It, I, anybody who, who has not seen that, that that's listening to this program, I, I, I cannot emphasize enough how, how valuable that is and to go watch it. Yeah, it's, and, and it's, this is not a put down, you know, to, to refer to this as a psychosis. It's a very thorough explanation of, of how a whole, how masses of people can be misled <laughs> into, you know, buying into a mass psychosis. Yeah, we, I think it's important that we retain our sympathy for people who have had fear uh, used against them, who have been terrorized. A very good example of this from, uh, from relatively recent history is the case of Patty Hearst, 
Some will remember her. She was the heiress to the Hearst Publishing Fortune. And in the early 70s, she was kidnapped by uh, this group called the Symbionese Liberation Army. And essentially, they subjected her to a regime that is very similar to the regime that the American people have been su subjected to now. Constant stress, uh, browbeating, lectures, sleep deprivation. I think in her case, she was also raped. And inevitably, the person has what's called in psychiatry a psychotic break, where they will, just to avoid future suffering, they, their resistance drops, and they buy into, they accept the narrative of their tormentor as a defense mechanism so that the pain will stop so that they will be let alone a little bit and she she was so broken she ended up becoming part of the Symbionese Liberation Army and participating in bank robberies with them until she was finally uh, released yeah yep I, re I remember seeing the the photos so um I'd like to get your thoughts. We've got about uh, got about three minutes left here, but mm -hmm. tell me your thoughts on uh, what what we're seeing coming out of Afghanistan. It looks like you know the the U.S. is pulling out. The oh. Taliban is reclaiming the the company the country. Um, give me your take on on the whole Afghanistan situation. I think it's enormously sad, and I think it is another tool by which. And I don't know who exactly is, is responsible for this, but the, the, the bottom line is it is a way to further demoralize this country. I can't even begin to imagine what it must be like for these poor guys who went over there, idealistically thinking that they were fighting for freedom, that they were protecting the homeland and all of that, got their legs shot off, uh, lost an arm, saw their friends get blown away. Uh, all for what? For nothing. For a repeat of Saigon in 1975, for a titanic, grotesque waste of life and money and not just ours you know think about all the people in afghanistan who were brutalized by that twenty-year-long war and who now are going to be brutalized by these religious fanatic taliban people who are going to take over the country uh... thanks to uncle joe biden and his regime of incompetence no absolutely not we're not any freer uh... and and there's just a general sense of depression despair and degradation and it's of a piece with everything else that's going on it's as if they want us all to be demoralized, sad, depressed at, at the spectacle of what's going on around them. And the arrogance of these people, people like Biden, who was involved in this. Remember, Biden has been in the Senate since, what, 1973, I think, or four, uh, you know, who are complicit in this. And then just walk away from it glibly. These people who never themselves put their own butt on the line and send other people uh, to go out and get their butts shot off. And then just say, that's ah, not my problem. I'm not responsible. Who cares? Let's move on. Well, and I'm, I'm wondering what this uh, means geopolitically, too, now that, uh, now that the Taliban is firmly back in control of, of Afghanistan. What is that going to mean for other things in that, that region? I mean, ostensibly, oh, I didn't, didn't, we go, didn't we go into Afghanistan to get Osama bin Laden? But where did mm -hmm. they find him? They found him in Pakistan. Supposedly. Now, I think there is an aspect of this that's, I don't want to choose the word correctly here, that's good news. It's probably not the best word. But you, you, we heard months ago Uncle Joe talk about how are you going to fight the government with AKs? Yes. Uh, you know, and <laughs> well, apparently you can fight the government with AKs, can't you? You know, this is an object lesson of what determined resistance can achieve, even in the face of the world's greatest superpower, which is now uh, literally fleeing the place in Chinook helicopters uh, because a bunch of Bedouins with AKs are driving them out of there. Well, and it's actually worse than that. We wrecked their country. Yes. We bombed their country. We go in there and we, we just trample around like the big bully that Uncle Sam is. Uh, and then after having trampled the place and destroyed the infrastructure, destroyed all the institutions that maintain order, we just walk away from it. I mean, the contempt 
that the general public and the world must feel for American power uh, has got to be titanic. And you know, we hear this talk all the time about how we've got to do something to stop the, the spread of, of radical Islam and terrorism. Well, what could possibly engender more hate for America than the way we have acted in both Iraq and Afghanistan, as well as all these other places around the world? Yeah, Pat Buchanan actually called it back in uh, 2000, saying, mm-hmm. you know, the, the U.S. has a choice. We can act like the world's policemen going around night-sticking troublemakers, or, you know, we can, uh, we, can, uh, we can stop interfering in everybody's affairs before we find ourselves in a bloody brawl that we can't handle. Eric, right. where, where nobody, can... likes, nobody likes a bully, right? Whether it's in the schoolyard or on the international stage. People instinctively detest bullies. Hear, hear. Eric, where can people find your website? Uh, EPAutos.com, as I like to put it, the world's best, the web's best libertarian gearhead site. Eric, thanks as always. Look forward to talking next week. Thank you, Brian. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Hey, welcome back to the show. Just want to give a quick shout out to my sponsors, including the Heather Turner team at Patriot Home Mortgage. For folks who are listening to this program within the state of Utah, particularly if you're one of the people who's moving there, and there's a lot of people moving there right now. You should probably talk to my friend Heather Turner at Patriot Home Mortgage because getting your financing squared away quickly is, well, it's of the essence, right? These homes don't sit on the market very long. They are snapped up. The competition is very, very fierce. I'm just telling you that Heather has the experience. She has the know-how and the background to make sure that you get the financing you need, whether it's a VA loan or a traditional loan or a reverse mortgage, quickly and efficiently. In other words, not a lot of hassle and headache. That's a plus for you. Her head, her NMLS ID is 715386. Patriot Home Mortgage is an equal housing opportunity lender. And the uh, Heather Turner team at Patriot Home Mortgage can be found at 619 South Bluff Street in St. George. Or you can call 435-703-4522. So we're, we're fortunate that there are people who are able to see the big picture. And I don't claim to be one of those people, but I, I'm very grateful to, uh, to have access and to be able to, to find lots of different information sources from folks like, uh, for instance, Martin Armstrong, who has a terrific explanation of how the fear that a lot of people are feeling right now over COVID is creating a kind of tunnel vision, and it's making it hard to see the bigger picture. So I'm not telling you that everybody's dumb because they don't see things the way that he does or that I do, but... I think it's it's understandable. A lot of people aren't seeing the bigger picture, and that is blinding them to certain opportunists who are using the virus as a Trojan horse in order to gain as much control over humanity as possible. This is from Armstrong Economics. Found this on Lou Rockwell's website earlier today. Martin Armstrong says, sometimes there's a tendency in any group to believe that they are smarter than those outside their group. Now, that's not confined to any particular group. He says the classic example was that in archaeology. The academics swore that Homer was a fantasy, 
was a fantasy with stories for children. So there never was a Troy. There never was a horse. All of that was proven wrong, though, when Heinrich Schleiman, or Schleiman, rather, in uh, the 1800s, who was a German businessman, discovered everything the academics said did not exist. Even sculptures had been discovered showing the Trojan horse. Schleiman believed in the historical accuracy of Homer's Iliad and Virgil's Aeneid, and told the, and that they told stories that reflected actual historic events. Today, they would have been called conspiracy theories, not worthy of investigation. Well, Martin Armstrong says the academics, led by Klaus Schwab from the World Economic Forum, have once again created a fictional world in their mind and convinced others we must destroy everything and rebuild the world to function the way they think it should operate. But the problem is the small detail that the world economy is like a complex rainforest. There are countless species all interconnected, so if you eliminate one, and it ripples throughout the entire rainforest. This is what they don't understand about the economy. It's Smith's invisible hand that everyone acting in their own interest creates a society that functions. So people like Klaus Schwab look down upon us, the great unwashed, and believe they are God because they don't believe in God and they assume they can not only create a new economy, but they can actually create biological improvements, perhaps in their own desperate attempt to find immortality. In fact, I have a little clip here. This is from, I believe it's from 60 Minutes, and it's Klaus Schwab talking with Steve Croft. It's just a short clip, but listen to what he says in his own words. Air to, uh, to make Okay, let's start it right here from the beginning. To, uh, to make money. I cannot and do not look at the social consequences of, of what I do. Do you believe in God? No. All right. Why well, believe in God when you can pretend that you are one, right? So Martin Armstrong says, I can't stress enough that these people I have warned who have been part of the club do not believe in God. That means they have no regard for humanity. Now, he says, it's always been hard for me to get my head around such arrogance. While they do not believe in God, they also seem to think they are immortal and infallible. Now, despite such an all-out effort to force people to get vaccinated or you lose your job or cannot travel, it just seems to be more for more control, just as the communist as in the communist world. He says, you weren't allowed to move from one place to another without permission. I mean, for crying out loud, we joke about this, right? Somebody get pulled over. Ah, papers, please. You know, well, he says, I saw this with my own eyes when I went behind the Berlin Wall. And Martin Armstrong says, besides the vaccines not working with the Israeli government reporting that the Pfizer vaccines only 39 percent effective. The real issue here is to stop the freedom of movement to establish a new form of government that is a new totalitarian state. Even the common cold has been found to help fight COVID because it is also a respiratory virus. But he says, we have censorship gone mad. Facebook banned a gardening forum because they were discussing which hoe is better. And it was interpreted as, well, they're using prostitute slang. Oh, my word. COVID seems to be the modern version of the Trojan horse, says Martin Armstrong. They roll it into society and we think they care about us. And then you wake up and you realize These people only seek control and care nothing about humanity, nor do they believe in God. Now, the they he's talking about, my friend Steve called me on this. He says, you're using too many unspecified they's. We're talking about people who are part of this elite financial caste 
Uh, some some of them may have political connections, but more often than not, they don't have to have political power. Financial power is enough to help move political power. Maybe you've noticed, but uh, politics is a lot about money, especially appropriating and spending other people's money. What feeds that political system? Why, I'm glad you ask. It's donations. And I think one of the best things we can keep in mind, and you know, I'm, I'm painting with kind of a broad brush here, but pol- politicians are best known for saying whatever they need to say in order to get elected. In other words, they will tell you whatever you want to hear. They will mirror whatever it is they think you believe so that they can get some kind of a negative reaction, a warm fuzzy from you, and you will vote for them. But then they turn around and they will do whatever it takes to keep that campaign money coming in so that they can retain their hold on power so that they can continue to serve those special interests that are funneling that money their way. That's how politicians operate. Yes, it's an extremely amoral way to go about business, but that's what they do. And the sooner people recognize that, the more they start to question, does this politician really have my best interest in mind? Or are they crying crocodile tears and, you know, putting their arm around me uh, with with a straight jacket that they're putting around me to warm me? It's not to warm you. This is one of the reasons why I'm just adamant that uh, we need to be clear and independent thinkers. That doesn't mean you have to agree with me. I'm sure I'm not the only, you know, commentator out there who, who would take it as a great compliment if you were to outgrow this program. My goal is to spark the curiosity and hopefully the love of liberty and the love of those things that, that make life worthwhile in your heart. And then you, continuing on your journey out of the swamp of misinformation, eventually maybe you pass me up. Maybe you're the one leaving markers along the trail so I can find my way. But my point is simply this. I'm not trying to create a bunch of followers. I don't want a bunch of followers. I want to wake a bunch of lions who I know are out there and are looking for information and looking for encouragement that, hey, no matter how crazy the rest of the world looks at, at us and thinks that uh, we're, we're out of our minds, these are things that matter. And these are things uh, that, that deserve our allegiance. And we don't have to wait for somebody's official permission to continue moving forward in support of those things and in defense of those things. In fact, it's a pretty safe bet. The people who are working very hard to create that new world and to, uh, you know, they're the ones rolling out of that Trojan horse... They're never going to give you permission to stand up to them. They're never going to give you permission to say no to what they're demanding of you. As a free man or a free woman, that's a decision you have to make yourself. Now, is it scary? Actually, it is. <laughs> Especially now, as uh, we talked about with Eric Peters, because we're, we're essentially being turned into health kulaks. If you don't go along with the program, you're being singled out and, yes, targeted for destruction. But is it still the right thing to do? My conscience says, yeah, it is. And that doesn't mean it's going to be easy. I'm expecting uh, less than ticker ticker tape parades, you know, for, for speaking out on these issues. But it's worth it. And frankly, I believe that uh, those of us who who have some insight into the value of what is being lost we have a duty to speak up 
We have a duty to warn our neighbor. So let's do it with a smile. Let's do it with love in our hearts. But let's do it. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. And we are back. Again, just a quick shout out for Life Saving Food, one of my sponsors. I have a link right there in today's show notes at thebrianhydeshow.com. I don't know about you, but uh, food storage is one of those things that, that gives me peace of mind. I don't sit there and, you know, roll around in it or anything, but I, I do love to know that, hey, if, if worse comes to worse, I can always take care of my needs, my family's needs, who knows, maybe even help out my neighbors because I planned ahead. And I would tell you, take a, take a chance, look at lifesavingfoods.com. You're going to find a lot of different packages. You don't have to buy a whole year's supply at once. But if you wanted to, that's an option. You need a week supply. You need just a one-person supply. You can find all of that and more. And here's the kicker. Mention HIDE as your coupon at the checkout. Just use promo code HYDE, and they'll knock 10% off your purchase. Now, that's worthwhile. Lifesavingfood.com. You'll find a link in the show notes at thebrianhydeshow.com. Well, if you get the sense that things are happening so fast these days that it's really tough to keep up, you are in good company. A lot of narratives are falling apart right in front of our eyes. James Howard Kunstler says, strange days are ahead. And he starts with a quote from Sean Davis, editor of The Federalist, on the action at the Kabul airport. He says, if American Airlines were in charge, they would have blamed all the cancellations on the weather and then given everyone's checked luggage to the Taliban. <laughs> I know some people who've had some really bad experiences with American Airlines. So that, okay, that's that's pretty on target. But uh, James Howard Kunstler says, I guess we had to find out the hard way that Afghanistan is not like Nebraska. Let others be cruel about it, and there's plenty of that right now elsewhere. But he says the last ostensible hegemon who tried occupying that place before us was the Soviet Union, which discovered painfully that Afghanistan was not much like its Kamarovo Oblast either and shortly after withdrew its troops in 1989. The Soviet Union commenced to collapse, which prompts one to wonder, how much is the USA of 2021 like the Soviet Union of those years? He says, well, we've become an ossified administrative nomenclatura of deep state flunkies, just as the Soviets were, and lately we're just as lawless as they used to be, constitution-wise like abolition of property rights via the CDC's rent moratorium, the prolonged jailing and solitary confinement of January 6th political prisoners, the introduction of internal passports. His point is the USA is running on fumes economically just like the Soviets were. Our dominant party leadership has aged into an embarrassing gerontocracy. Is it our turn to collapse? Kind of looks like it. So he says that days ahead are liable to be a rough ride. Surely China has taken the measure of our woke military and is weighing the seizure of Taiwan in our moment of signal weakness. No more computer chips for you, Uncle Sam. Do we come to Taiwan's defense with guns blazing or perhaps nukes? And what if that doesn't work out so well? Well, he says, I'll tell you what, a major geopolitical reordering of things, leaving us where? Unable to enforce our will around the world, as has been the case for 80 years, floundering, Friendless, broke, 
broken. Now, of course, the domestic situation in our land has not been so fraught and overwrought since 1861. Everything is politicized, which is to say used as a truncheon to beat up adversaries, and let's face it, mostly in the sense of left against right. Now, this is especially true for the COVID-19 soap opera, which more and more pits the sanctimoniously vaccinated progressives against the recalcitrant conservative no-vax free choicers, that is, coercive government trying to force supposedly free citizens to accept a pretty dubious experimental medical treatment. Since when did the American left become so pro-tyranny? And how'd that even happen? He says, I have friends and relatives, I'm sure you do too, who knocked themselves out in the 1960s, protesting against the war, the government, the FBI and CIA, who fought in the streets for free speech and raged against official propaganda. And today they can't get enough of coercing, punishing, brainwashing, and canceling their fellow citizens. They're going so far as to engineer their vicious narrative to brand their opponents as domestic terrorists. You think that's going to work? He says, I doubt it. And the fall of Afghanistan is sure to spark a resentful reaction among the many ex-soldiers who paid a heavy price, pulling tours of duty in that hapless venture over 20 years. James Howard Kunstler says there's a lot of them out there in Red America. They were already PO'd about the pernicious nonsense being jammed down their throats by the minions of wokesterism. The recent gender hustles, the -the off-the-charts rise of violent crime, the wide-open border, the offshoring of jobs, the COVID lockdowns or the wrecking of small businesses, the MMT experiment, that's modern monetary theory, launching inflation, and the new pussification of the armed forces they served and suffered in. They've laid rather low through years of this, just watching the scene in wonder and nausea. But he says, you may see them take a more active turn now. And consider, they've been well-trained in weaponry and tactics. He says, unsettling discoveries are in the offing going forward. The Wall Street Journal lately detected signs of life in the John Durham investigation, reporting that matters may have gone to a grand jury. That means crimes are being prosecuted. We may soon become reacquainted with names that almost slipped down the memory hole. The likes of Bruce Orr, Glenn Simpson, Andrew McCabe, Rob Rosenstein, sorry, Rod Rosenstein, Peter Strzok, who else? This may lead to a catastrophic discrediting of the mainstream news media who were fully in on the Russiagate con, to the degree that some companies ended up utterly wrecked with many careers washed up. He says hard information about what actually went down in the 2020 election is also coming out and not to the credit of the ruling regime that purportedly triumphed in that contest. Some of that info may redound to the issue of China's involvement in our affairs and beyond mere election meddling to the wholesale buying off of the U.S. political class. He says the pathetic thing is we already know several very prominent figures on the take from China, including Eric Swalwell, Dianne Feinstein, Feinstein rather, and most conspicuously Hunter Biden and family. But the ranks of the known to be bought off could swell dramatically. And finally, he says, there's the fate of President Joe Biden. As Kabul falls, <clears throat> he remains in his Camp David gopher hole. Observers conjecture that he's had a few bad days lately, meaning he's not presentable. Kunzler says there's a rising clamor even among his own partisans for him to come out and say something, anything, for heaven's sake. Just do more than pretend to be the leader of the free world. He says it could be curtains for old white Joe, like resignation time. 
Never before has a U.S. president faced such a daunting loss of legitimacy and hardly just on account of Afghanistan. And then consider who's next in line for that position. And he asks, did you shudder? Sometimes, he says, Vlad Lenin observed, events take decades and sometimes years happen in weeks. Well, this looks like one of those times for the USA. James Howard Kunstler says heads will soon be spinning like the little girls in The Exorcist, releasing a pea soup spewage of shocking revelation. The old narratives will fall apart before our eyes. Minds will have to get right. He says prepare for a whole lot of strange days rolling out. Don't disagree with him on this. Not one bit. I mean, for crying out loud, look at look at what is happening right now, where you have this this false specter of domestic terrorism threats, which if you look at what they're considering a threat. People who are pushing back against covid restrictions or, you know, some of the covid lockdown policies that are being foisted on them. People who have questions about whether there was some kind of official misconduct or fraud present in the 2020 election. And then, of course, just the uh, the observance of the 20th anniversary of 9-11. These, this is nothing more than just weaponizing dissent. And it's, it's a government uh, attempt to control and incarcerate dissenters. So, yeah, strange days ahead indeed. Now, that's stressful for those of us who are, are paying attention. And I'm sure if you're like me, you've said something to people around you and you've probably had them look at you like you have five eyes right there in the middle of your forehead. They, they just can't get their minds around. How can you not get with the program? Can I suggest that uh, maybe it's less important to convince the people around us, hey, this is going on, than it is to acknowledge that, uh, okay, what I'm seeing is what I'm actually seeing. You know, I know there are people saying, don't believe your lying eyes, but to trust your own judgment, to trust your conscience. And I guess this is the really important part. Be in close enough contact with your conscience that you're not a stranger, that you're not meeting for the first time. Oh, hi, do I do I know you? Have, have we have we bumped into each other before? If there was ever a time to be intimately familiar with your conscience, to really know where you stand this is it and it's going to take some courage i do not see pleasant times ahead for those of us who love liberty and are willing to stand for it i don't know about you but i feel like i feel like i have a calling to do what i can though and so that's why i do what i do and we need your help as well come stand This is The Brian Hyde Show.